Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Chav Zayin. We're talking about Kenyan Agav, where I transfer to you land, and then I say, also, together with the land, I want you to have these movable items. So that works, the Mishnah says. This is another way of transferring movable items without having to pull or touch the movable items themselves uh, by doing a land sale, a land sale that can be done through Kesef Shtad Hazakah, and the movables that come together with it. The question we've been wondering is, do those movable items have to be on the land at the time of sale, or could can they be anywhere? If I want to transfer you a car, does it have to be in the driveway of the uh, land that I'm selling you, or can I say, here's land, and um, together with it, I want to sell you the car, and the car is in the street somewhere else. So we saw uh, three proofs, uh, attempted proofs that didn't work. Now we're going to see two more. The first one is not going to be uh, convincing, but the last one will be successful. So here we go. Gamliel and the other elders, other sages were in a ship. There's lots of stories about Rabban Gamliel on a ship, um, sometimes with other sages. Um, Rabban Gamliel, probably he was the Nasi, so he probably had to go on a lot of uh, political trips to uh, deal with maybe the Roman government or whatever. So uh, one time they're on the trip. So thing is, the is on the ship and his family is back at home. And in the meantime, there's produce uh, that's being harvested back at home. And Abangamaliel is not there and not at home to make sure that Ma'asir is being taken pro- properly. And I guess no, nobody around there to do it for him. So on the ship, he goes to the, uh, his colleagues and he says, um, uh, listen, uh, the Ma'asir that I will take um, so eventually, when he gets home, he is going to separate Maaser. So he wants that retroactively to work. So the Maaser is talking about Maaser Rishon that goes to a Levi. I am giving to you Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania. He was a Levi. He was on the boat. So he says, listen, I'm going to, I'm transferring to you that produce. Uh, it's, right now, it's not determined what part it will be. In the meantime, while he's away, the family is going to eat some of the produce, not all of it. They'll eat. Uh, they'll eat some part of it. And when he gets home, whatever is from from what, what's what's left over, he'll figure out what was a tenth of the whole, and he'll separate that. And he says, I'm going to give that to you. And also the place where it is, I'm renting to you so that you can acquire the produce by means of the land. Right? Because uh, land I can I can uh, transfer to you right now in some way. You can give him a coin, for example. Um, but the produce is not around, it's not not with them, so he can't transfer the produce by Meshichah, by pulling on it, and so therefore this is a good way to uh, transfer the produce uh, that is on the land by renting out the land, right? And again, even though this is not, it was not determined right now which part of which, which produce, and therefore not even determined which land it will be, but that's okay, you can say, I am whatever land I, in the future, um, at, d- decide to separate whatever produce I, I decide to separate and the land that's under it, that will from now be transferred to you. Furthermore, 
Isur Acher produce Maaser Ani that I will need to take as to take. It was a year where you have to give Maaser Ani that I am giving to Rabbi Akiva. That's Akiva Ben Yosef. He was in charge of giving out money to the poor. So I'm transferring it to you so that you will. Uh, be designated to give it to the poor people and uh, 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 and also I am renting out to you that place where it is. Now, what do we learn from this? We learn that the land has to be piled on it because look, he says, I'm giving you this produce and the place where it is the place under the produce is rented out to you. If it didn't need, if the produce didn't need to be on the la- on that specific land, he could have just said Listen, I am renting out to you some little piece of land, one tefach by one tefach on the corner of my field. And I got that, the produce, wherever it is, that I, um, uh, that I will eventually separate. He didn't have to say mikoma, the place of the produce. So from the fact that he said the place of the produce, that, that means it has to be there. It has to be the land under the produce. And so to do Kenyan agav, <coughs> this seems to be a proof that it can only work with the car in the driveway or the produce on the land. Is that a good proof? We say no. Not necessarily. It could be that Bangamaliel was giving, was renting them the land under the produce so that they wouldn't be so, they wouldn't have to go through extra trouble. You see, if he didn't give them the land, then there's a problem because now they own, uh, let's say Yoshua owns uh, this produce, but it's under Bangamaliel's land. So as soon as they dock, he's going to have to go and get and transfer, get wheelbarrows, take it off of that land, get, put it in his land. It will be a pain. So to make it easy, listen, I'm giving you the produce and also I'm going to rent out for some amount of time the land that's under it. And that way, right, it's yours, it's set aside and you can control it and you don't have to go and uh, worry that it's on someone else's land. And so maybe he just did it because it's easier that way, but not necessarily because he had to do it that way. It could, be very, it could very well be that an agav a transfer could work even if it's not on the land and therefore there is no proof from here. The next proof is a little bit lengthy. We're going to see the main point at the end. So Rav says there's two types of uh, contracts regarding sailing land or different scenarios of how a shtad will, uh, the relation between the shtad and the sale. If um, I go to a third party and I say, acquire this field on behalf of so-and-so, right? I want to give it to you, but you're not around. So I give it to the third party to acquire on behalf of you. So that I can do. I'll say I do it with money, for example. Um, or, or Chazakah. And then I also tell the third party, can you also please write a Shtad, right? So the Shtad is secondary to the transfer. So this Shtad is not, I'm not, I'm not using the Shtad to transfer, but rather only as a proof. In that case, since Shtad is only being used as a proof, if I, ch- if I change my mind, I can change my mind about, the, about writing the Shtad, but I cannot change my mind regarding the, sell, the sale of the field because once I transfer the field to that third party and he acquires it on your behalf, that's it. It's out of my hands. Or once you give a gift, you can't take it back. 
But regarding the uh, the request to write a shtad, if it's not written yet and given over to the uh, recipient, so I can I can uh, uh, renege on the giving of the shtad. Why would I do that? I mean, there's no point really because I'm not going to get the shtad back. But let's say I don't want to be publicized so much. Um, so uh, if you write a shtad, then there's going to be then it has more public. There's people more people involved. And let's say I don't want people to think that I'm poor that I needed to sell this field. So whatever. I decide I don't want the uh, the proof to be written. That's okay. Um, all right, that's scenario number one. It's not, not related to our proof. This is also not related to our proof. We're just we're still setting it up. If I tell the third party, <coughs> acquire the, this field on condition that you also write a shtad to prove that it's his. So since I made it a condition, so the sale is dependent on the writing of the shtad. And as long as that third party guy did not yet write the shtad and give it over to the recipient, I can change my mind both about the writing of the shtad and about the field because the field does not transfer until the condition is fulfilled. Now, Here's the, the key case that we're going to need. He says, actually, there's yet another scenario of how a shtad can work. Today, I had the Amaran, the two that we talked about, and there's a third one, Idach. A seller can write a shtad uh, even before he sells it, right? If I know that I'm expecting I'm going to sell this, my, my land, uh, sometime later or tomorrow, and, you know, I don't want any delays. So I can go to the scribe and I, I can tell him, can you write me a shtad that says, uh, here, I am selling you this land. And I'm, I hold on to it, right? I'm the, I'm the owner and I'm uh, the seller. And so I can hold on to it. And this is permitted. As it says in Mishnah in Baba Batra, you can, uh, we can write uh, a contract to, for the, for, to the seller, even though the buyer isn't there. The more usual cases, get the buyer and the seller together, and he has the the seller has the money, he transfers it, and then the seller will have have a shtad written up and give it to him. But we you can preempt the writing of the shtad even without the buyer present. And if you do that, here is a special law: once the money transfers hands from the buyer to the seller the seller now is in possession of the money that effectuates the transfer right because uh, that you can you can acquire land with with just money that shtad which will be used for proof becomes the t- goes into the possession of the buyer immediately wherever it is even though in the usual case uh, you would give me the money i give you the shtad right that's the usual case but let's say that shtad i wrote it beforehand and i forgot it at home right or it's still uh, the scribe still has it i didn't pick it up yet um so that's okay um and uh once i give you once once i receive the money if i'm the seller that shtad is already yours and i can't withhold it right i can't destroy it that it's already in your possession i can't change my mind about that shtad it happens to be it might happen to be in my house or in the scribe's house or wherever it is but it goes together with it ah here we go what's what's the mechanism of the transfer of that shtad a shtad is a movable item here we can learn this is an example of kenyan agav 
I accepted the money from you and thereby I transferred the land to you. With the transfer of the land goes together, agav, that land, uh, comes the shtar, which is in any other place. It could be anywhere and it gets transferred for you to you. And so here's a proof that kinyan agav works even though that shtar is not physically on the land. It can be anywhere. You do not need it piled up. So this seems like a good proof, but one last challenge to it. Hold on. A star might be different from a, a tractor or a vase or a car or anything else because a, a star is a bridle of the land. It's the, it's the holder, just like a leash is what a leash is to an animal. Use it to control the animal. So too the star has what controls the land, right? If you want to say, hey, who does this belong to? I, I have the star, right? So, oh, you have the star. It's your land. So the star is, is, is intimately, legally connected to the land. That's why once the land transfers, the shtad goes along with it, right? The same as um, a, a bridle or saddle, a leash that, uh, from, it to, from an animal. If you transfer the animal, that goes with it. And the other way around, so too the shtad. So maybe we cannot generalize from a shtad to all other movable items. But we answer to that, katani. Ah, I knew you were going to ask that. Wait, there is a braita that comments on this Mishnah and says, Zohi sheshaninu nechasim she'en lahem achrayut niknim aim nechasim she'yesh lahem achrayut bechesef bishtad u bechazaka she'ma'aminah la'ba'inan seburin ba she'ma'aminah. The braita says this is an example, this transfer of the shtad along with the land is an example of what we said in our Mishnah that um, movable items can be acquired together with land as long as the, the land is transferred in, in, in one of those three ways, the movable item goes along with it. So you see that this, the Braita is saying that the Shtad is a typical example. It's not different from any other. Um, this is uh, just one typical example of anything, any movable item that can be transferred. So our final conclusion is in fact that yes, you can transfer movable items even if they're not on the land through uh, Kinyan Agav. And now you can go back to all the previous stories and read them in a much more simple manner, right? The Ukim uh, Tot that we gave to all those stories were just saying, look, there's no absolute proof. You could interpret it in those ways. Uh, but now that we do have an absolute proof, and interestingly, the final proof is actually from our Mishnah that we started with in the, within the first place. Uh, but now that we went through this exercise, um, now we don't have to uh, assume those Ukim taught on all of those stories. A new question about Kenyan Agav Ibaya Lehu Mi Bainan Agav Ola. The question is if I'm using Kenyan Agav, uh, do I have to actually stipulate that the, the movable property is going to be transferred through Agav? So if I'm giving you my, I'm selling you my land and the, and the tractor that is on it. So I'm going to tell you, okay, I'm, uh, here, here's the land, here's, uh, and here's the tractor that's on it. Do I, in addition, have to say, and you will acquire the tractor through Kenyan Agav. Do I need to step to specify that or is it assumed? Well, the answer is simple. Look at all the cases we've seen above of, uh, of stories and cases of Kenyan Agav, and in not one of them does the person say, here, I'm, I'm using Kenyan Agav, therefore it's not necessary. But we re respond, but everyone agrees actually that you have to say kene if you want to transfer the field. You have to say 
through whatever mechanism you're using, through this money, you acquire the field. Uh, so even though every, we, everyone agrees that you have to say kene in the stories, they don't say kene. Uh, we assume that they say it, right? And the stories are just giving a quick summary uh, a short, in shorthand of what the circumstances are. So just like it does not say kene, uh, so it also doesn't say agav. Even though it doesn't say it in the stories, we assume that it is that it, they that they are saying it. So just like um, there, the acquisition does not is not valid unless you say kene. So too, the acquisition is not valid unless you say agav. And the conclusion is sevurim la ba'inan agav ukene ba'inan. The bottom line is that we don't need the, the produce or the movable items to be piled up on the land. I can do Kenyan Agav even if the land is here and the movables are somewhere else. That's the, that was the conclusion just now. And uh, you do need to say kene regarding the land here. Through this money, you will acquire the land. And you have to say you can acquire the tractor on it through Kenyan Agav so that it's clear to everyone that that is your intention. New question. So far, we were assuming that I am either selling you both the land and the tractor, or I'm giving you a gift of both the land and the tractor. But what if it's one and one? What if I want to sell you the land and uh, give you as a gift the movable items? Can I still use Kinyan Agav, even though they are two different types of transaction? Good question. And the answer is Tashama Isur Shani Atid Lamod Natunli Hoshua Mkomo Muskarlo Shema Mina from that last case that we just mentioned. When the Damangamliel on the boat is told uh, to be Yoshua, the Ma'asir that I will in the end and a measure out in the future measure out is given to you as a gift, right? That's a Ma'asir, a gift, and the place that it's under the place under it is rented out to you. A rental is like a, is like a sale. It assumes a, a monetary uh, responsibility. And so here you go. These are two different types of transaction. One is a gift. One is a rental. And yet you can use Kenyan Agav. So Shema Amina, we can uh, answer it. Yes, you can use, you can mix and match the different types of transactions and uh, within Kenyan Agav. Iba'ya lehu, another question. Sadeh lehad matatelin lehacher mahu. What if I am uh, selling you a field and I want to use Kinyan Agav not to give you the field, but to uh, you the tractor, but rather to give the tractor to someone else? And you, by acquiring the field, will enact the transaction, uh, the acquisition of the factor of the tractor by someone else. Can you do this one action with two different recipients? And the answer is Tashema Isur Shaniatid Lamod Natunakiva Ben Yosef Kedesh Iske Bolaniim Umkomo Umkomo Muskarlo. We can answer that from the next part of that story. You can see that the, the questions here are raised uh, in order of the answers in the clauses of the stories, which is very convenient. <clears throat> Um, so uh, when the Bangamaliel on the boat said the Maaser Ani that I am going to uh, measure out in the future, I am giving to Akiva to be Akiva. So uh, that's a uh, that's a, a gift that he's he's taking, but not for himself. He's taking it on behalf of the Aniim. So therefore, um, really, the Akiva is only being used as a third party to uh, to uh, transfer that to accept it on behalf of the Aniim. So really, I'm giving that as a gift to the poor people. Now the place 
the land I am renting out to Rabbi Akiva himself. So there you go. We have a case of the land being rented out transferred to one person and the movable items are being transferred to other people which means yes you can do it but uh, this time uh, we're not uh, not so fast my muskar muskar said no when it says that the land is rented out <clears throat> doesn't mean that it's rented out for uh, rented out to be akiba for on for his uh, for his own purposes that he can go and uh, pitch a tent there and go camping no it's only rented out to him for the purpose of ma'asir so that the uh the, the produce will be given to the poor through that land so actually the um the, the land and the produce are both being uh, uh given to the poor people uh the the land as a gift the the, the land rented out the produce as a gift and rabbi akiva is um is is not the in fact the recipient um is going to both or a similar answer another way of saying a very similar thing again he's not representing himself but rather he is like the hand of the poor he is in a way a messenger of the poor when he's collecting money and not collecting it for himself he doesn't own the own the money when he takes it he's taking it as a um uh, as a caretaker uh, as a, a gabai sadaka and so therefore uh, same thing with the land right the land is only is only being given uh, given to him so that through him it will go to the poor people a difference between these answers might be that in the first one uh in a way is receiving it uh, the, the the transfer is really going to the poor people directly Rabbi Akiva is oh, just like um, a third party uh, just like a third party can acquire something on behalf of someone else Rabbi Akiva is, is acquire is doing the acquisition act but the but it's being transferred straight to the poor people and the second one as a yad that's more of a he's acting as an intermediary um, kind of like a messenger who acquires something and uh, and uh, and uh, but on behalf of someone else? Um, okay, so that is th- those are two answers. Now, if I sell you my field for a million dollars and a tractor, a few tractors, right, for uh, um, uh, for a hundred dollars each. So let's say I pay you, I pay the million dollars, and I pay you for five tractors out of the ten. And then uh, we do, you do a kinyan on the land. Well, so Rava explains that if I didn't pay for all the tractors, you do not acquire all the tractors, only the ones that I paid for. So when I transfer the money, the money does not make an acquisition of the of the movable items. Uh, it's the land uh, transfer that does it. But the land transfer can only act on things that you already paid for. Uh, so if you paid for five of them, then five of them will transfer and the other five will not. And we have a braita that supports Rava. It's a long braita. We'll see how it supports him uh, in a minute. Uh, so this is comparing the power, uh, purchasing power of money uh, in some ways is greater than that of a contract and in some ways a contract is greater than that of money. How so? Uh, 
um, money, cash has the has the uh, power that you can use it to redeem something. I make this thing item hekdesh. I don't have to give the item itself. I can redeem its uh, its holiness to money or maaseh sheni. If I live far away and I can't carry all that produce to Jerusalem, I, I can redeem it for money. But that's something you could do with money. You can't do that with a uh, with a document, right? I can't say uh, the the holiness of this maaseh sheni will I, I will transfer to this uh, this contract, right? This document, this IOU. And then I'll use the IOU to buy uh, produce. No, it has to be it has to be with coins. On the other hand, a contract you can use as a get for a Jewish woman to um, uh, exit a marriage, whereas money you cannot do that with. Um, you, you can use money to enter a marriage, but not to exit a marriage. <coughs> so each one has its own power in its own domain. And those two together, a money and a contract, have a power over uh, taking possession, taking physical possession, uh, meaning like land, like locking the gate or or, or doing some work on the land. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, a chazaka has power in some domains over both of those. If you want to acquire a Hebrew slave, you can do, a, do that with kesef and shtad. You cannot do that with chazaka. Chazaka will work with an evit kena'ani. Uh, you ask him to, uh, um, uh, you know, take your shoes off and carry them. That will work for every Kanani, but not for an Evid Ivri. And Chazaka has a greater power because if I sell you 10 fields in 10 different countries and you do a Chazaka act and uh, uh, lock the gate on one of them, you acquire all of them. That is a very important power. You don't have to go to each and every one of those 10 fields in 10 countries. As long, once you do one, all of them are transferred over to you. And that's not true for Kesef and Shtad. If I do, I can, <coughs> I can acquire a field with Kesef and Shtad, but if I sell you uh, a handover money for this one, Field, the other fields that I'm, I'm, I'm also selling you do not get aut automatically transferred until I go give you money for those also. And if, if I write, if I write a shtad and say field one over here is transferred to you, that does not um, automatically bring along with it the other nine fields that I would like to sell. You can, there's no way to do that. The field, uh, the money, and the contract only work for the fields that you are dealing with right now. Whereas chazaka, if I do one act for this field and through that act we have in mind that this act will uh, uh, through it through that you will acquire all the other nine fields that does work now here is the clincher of the proof that this baraita supports when do we say that doing an act of chazaka on one field will transfer all the other fields that's only if you paid for all of them already um, and uh, even though you paid but let's say you're in a place where uh, payment is not accepted as a, as a final transaction because you're in a place where they write a shtad also, right? We saw above that even though midoraita um, kesef is good for transferring land, but in a place where everyone expects uh, a contract to be written, so then it does not transfer because um, you, people aren't going to transfer it because they're expecting a contract. So let's say you're in that kind of place and I paid for all of the, all 10 lands, um, but that doesn't effectuate the transfer yet. And you do chazakah 
on one of them, having in mind that this one will apply to all of them, that works, but only if you paid for all of them. If you only paid for two of them, um, then you'll acquire those two, but the other one, eight, one that you did not acquire, will, will not transfer. So, you see, even though this example is about fields, um, and Rava's statement was about metaltelin and fields together, nevertheless, it's the same basic principle that a kinyan agav, right, in a way, uh, the, the, the Braita is talking about a kinyan agav of land with, for other land, right, acquire this land, and have in mind that the other land will also be acquired. So even though that is a little different, uh, but still we apply the same principle that kinyan agav can only work if I paid for all the things that I'm, I'm transferring. You have to already be already have paid for it, and that even though the payment does not cause the transfer, the kinyan agav will uh, transfer as long as it was paid. If you didn't pay, then the kinyan agav is not going to work. So Rava has a good proof. Now, what we just said also supports the statement of Shemuel. Shemuel said, If I sold, sold you 10 fields in 10 different uh, countries, once you take possession of one of them, you acquire all of them. And that's exactly what the Baraita said. The son of Rav Ika says, I have a further proof for Shemuel's statement, um, because after all, wouldn't everyone agree that if I want, I'll tell you, I want to transfer you uh, 10 animals, but I want to do it with one acquisition. So I have all these 10 animals that are being held with one bridle, one, one set of reins that are, that, uh, that, um, are all held together, uh, connected to each animal, right? And, um, and I give it over to you and I say, acquire all of them. Uh, that works, right? Even though I'm giving you just one, uh, one act of acquisition, you can acquire 10 things. So isn't that the same as this, where I'm uh, transferring, doing an acquisition on one piece of land, and it brings along with it all other, all, all 10, right? So is that a good proof? We don't know who he was talking to, but whoever it was responded and said, no, that's not the same. In the case of the animals, he's holding all of the reins together. So he's really transferring over directly all 10 animals. Whereas here, it's not, the 10 fields are not in his hand. He's only standing on, closing the gate, digging into uh, one of the fields. The other ones are totally far away. So it's not the same. Uh, this is this would not be an equivalent uh, case and is not a proof. Uh, there's another version of which is exactly the opposite. He actually wants to disprove Shemuel and say it should not be good. You can't transfer 10 things with one act because if, for example, by analogy, I would take 10 animals in that are being held together or all together with one set of reins and I would give them to over to you and I say acquire this. Would it be acquired? Here he's assuming that it would not be acquired. Right? Exactly the opposite. And just like you cannot acquire 
10 animals with one transfer, so too you cannot uh, acquire 10 fields with one transfer. But we reject his question, In that case of the animals, they are 10, the 10 separate bodies, 10 separate entities. So that's why it doesn't work. You can't, you can't transfer 10 completely different things in one act. You're right. But that's not the same as land because all of the mass of the earth is one. Um, uh, they're all, it's all connected, even though one land is here and one's in a state over there and one's in a country across the sea, but it doesn't matter. They're all connected uh, uh, underneath. And therefore, even though I'm, uh, I'm only digging into this piece of land over here, it is in fact connected if you dig a tunnel far enough uh, to that other piece of land. And so since it's all connected, that's why it works to, do, to uh, acquire 10 pieces of land with only one act of acquisition. We now come to the next part of the Mishnah, Zokekim et Nechasim. Here we're talking about Gilgul. Amar Ulaminan Gilgul Min HaTorah. We know that uh, if uh, in monetary cases, if you say, oh, you're 100, and I admit to 50, um, that's Modeh Bemiksat, then I'm required to swear. <coughs> that what I said is true, and that I only owe you 50. Regarding land, if you say uh, that I owe you 100 uh, square meters, um, but I come and say, no, I only owe you 50 square meters, we do not apply uh, swear on land. However, let's say the claim is regarding both. Uh, you say I owe you $100 and 100 square meters of land, and I come and say, I admit to part of it, but not to the rest of it. Since I'm required to make a swear for the monetary part of Modeb Mixat, so Megal Gilim, uh, this is not Gilgul as in a reincarnation, but rather <clears throat> um, once you have to swear for one thing, so we roll over the obligation to the other. So once I have to swear for the pro movable property, for the, for the um, cash, I have to swear also, I have to include the land in the vow as well. Now, what's the source from the Torah that this is true? We're going to learn it from a case of sota. Okay, there's going to be a long, a long discussion about sota. And in the end of it, we're going to see a case where uh, a woman has to swear, a sota involves uh, swearing, and she has to swear about, uh, in a regular case where she is accused of being a sota, and once she has to swear already, so then we include another vow that normally she wouldn't have to take, but once you have to take it for one reason, then you have to take it for the other reason as well. So here we go. Amen, amen. She comes to the Beta Mikdash, if she is accused as a sota, the way it works is that the husband, at first, he has he has a suspicion uh, that his his wife his wife is uh, uh, flirting, going astray, or something. Uh, so he warns her in front of two witnesses and says, "I don't want you to be secluded, have yichud with that man." She goes ahead and she has yichud with that man. We don't know what happens in that room. We're not sure if she sins or not, but she went against her husband's uh, 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 directive, uh, warning in front of two witnesses, and so at that point. If there's proof that she was secluded, even though we don't know what happened, she is a sota. If we know what happened, then if there's witnesses to that, that would be a different story. That would be for sure adultery um, or for sure not adultery. But if we don't know and she's secluded, she is a sota and she's brought up to the Bet HaMikdash and the Kohen administers a vow. The woman sota then responds to the vow. Amen, amen. She is in agreement to the vow. Why does she say double amen? Utanan, a Mishnah in Masechet Sotah. 
מה היא אומרת אמן אמן? אמן על העלה, אמן על השבועה. She says אמן twice, once on the curse that says if you are guilty, then the following consequences will happen. She agrees to that, right? If I am guilty, then I accept upon myself those consequences. The second amen is saying, I did not defile, I swear that I did not sin with that man. I was secluded, maybe, yes, but I did not do anything in that room. And so she's saying, I'm not guilty, and, and I will agree. If I am guilty, then I will deserve, deserve those punishments. That's one um, application. Amen amen Another application is she agrees and, and swears, I did not sin with that man, the one that the husband uh, warned her, don't be secluded with him, and I did not sin with any other man. And that you know or don't know of, that was not included in the warning, I did not sin with that person either. And further, the, the repetition further applies to different situations. I did not go astray, not when we had only Edusin before Kiddushin, but before Nisuin. And I did not sin with anybody at, after Nisuin, since then. I did not uh, sin with anyone if she is a Yevama, and oh, after her husband died without children, she was awaiting the Yevam to come to Yibum. Um, she's not allowed to be with uh, someone else, uh, so she swears that she was not with another man during that time. Or Kinusa is after the Yibum. When she's now married to the Yavam, she did not sin against him at that point either. Now, we ask, Hai Arusa Hechidameh. That was the Mishnah. The Gemara says, what would be the case of an Arusa that could become a Sota? If it's a case where they did Kiddushin only, as they did in olden days, and there were several months in between, and the, the, then the husband warned her while they, while, during the period of Edusin, don't be with that guy, and she was secluded with that guy, and so he brought her up to, to be, to drink, what all during Erusin before Nisuin, if that's the case, but we have a, a, a Mishnah that says, in Arusa, and also Shemeret Yavam, they're both not fully married, they do not drink. They also don't get their ketubah because they have this problem uh, that they are already suspected. But they do not drink a sota water. So they would never go through the ceremony to have to get this uh, vow uh, ministered to them and say, Amen, Amen. So it can't be talking about that case. The Pasuk says, if you have gone astray, part of the uh, a curse, if you have gone astray under your husband, and she has, does not yet have a husband, she has a fiancé. Or maybe it's talking about a case where uh, he gave her a warning while she was in Arusa. And she went ahead and even went against their warning and was secluded with that guy. But they didn't get around to doing the Sota ceremony. And in between, they actually did a marriage. They went through the, with the marriage. Now she's in Nisua. And now he says, listen, I am, I, I, now I have a, 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 a te, a evidence that you secluded with that guy beforehand, before the Nisuin, and so now I'm going to bring you, as a, so, uh, uh, bring you up as a sota. In that case, could it be you talking about? Me, but ki, la, maya. In that case, does the water even work? The water would, waters would not work. The ceremony would not, would not, not apply. Because says, v'nikah ish me'avon. Amar ha'chamanav izman ish minukeh me'avon. Ma'im bodkin et ishto. En isham ish minukeh me'avon. En ha'ma'im bodkin et ishto. The waters will uh, uh, check her, examine her. 
only if the husband is free from sin. If the husband himself uh, is doing all any kind of uh, um, illegal act, um, then the then you, well, you can't you know go 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 examine your own life. Now he's he's bringing accusation against her. In that case, if he is not innocent, then even if she is guilty, the waters will not take effect. <laughs> right? The Torah says only when he is innocent. Then the waters will check her. If he is not innocent, the waters will not check her. In this case, since he already accused her, um, uh, already warned her, and uh, then she went ahead anyway, and she secluded herself, and he knew all about that before the marriage. He is not allowed to enter into marriage with her, right? You can't well, once uh, once she is in that status, she is a suspected sota. And he has to keep away from her. So now he went against the law and married her. And so he is now not innocent. And so that can't be, can't be the case. This can't be talking about the case where the Mishnah says in Arusa, because if it's that uh, he, she is now drinking after she's married, it wouldn't work because he did something wrong. So what is the case of Arusa in the Mishnah? Ela al Gilgul. It's a case of extending a valid uh, sota case to another. So it's a case, actually a regular case of uh, someone who's totally married, right? After they're totally married, uh, she, uh, the husband suspects her. He warns her, don't be with that guy. She goes and she is secluded with that guy. He brings her, he calls her a sota. He brings her up and they make a vow. And the husband says, well, listen, right now you have to make a vow. It's a valid case where a vow applies. Since you're making a vow anyway, you know what? I want you to include in your vow that you were not with any man during the Erusin uh, time period. Now, even though if she was not a sota at this point, you cannot bring a sota uh, um, uh, at, uh, attack for uh, a, a sota suspicion. Um, you, you cannot bring it now for the time when they were when she was an arusa. We just proved that, right? Um, that a sota does not drink. Uh, as an arusa, or uh, even after marriage, if he's bringing the accusation from the time of uh, from Erusin, uh, that won't work alone. But if she already has to, because he suspected her and she secluded after marriage, then he can say, while you're at it, uh, also make a vow there. So here, here we have a case of Gilgul, of extending, of doing a while you're at it, swear in uh, the case of Sota. That's the source, right? That's a paradigm. Now, that's so, so far so good. Ashkechan Sota de Isura. Mamona Minelan. Fine, I, I understand we can do the while, while you're at it oath in the case of prohibition, um, like adultery. But how do you know that that applies also to a monetary thing where if I have to make a swear for Modebe Mixat, because of uh, movable items and or cash, and then I also, while I'm at it, have to make a swear for land. Who says I can apply isura to mamona? And the answer is Tana de Ishmael Uma Sota Shelo If regarding sota, where I, a person cannot impose. Uh, uh, so the uh, a sota accusation based on one witness, you actually need two witnesses uh, to verify that she was she was warned and she secluded herself, and then uh, once you once you have that, 
then you can uh, say, okay, I have to swear. And then if we're in that case, um, you can do it in other case also. So there you need two witnesses in order to bring an accusation. A, money, a monetary case actually only needs one witness to bring uh, to require a swear. Uh, to extract money from someone, you need two witnesses to actually make them pay. But if I have one witness uh, that, that says, you know, I saw that you, uh, you know, took a loan or, or, or owe the person, then that by itself makes someone liable to, to swear. So you see, it's easier to impose a swear in monetary cases than in prohibition, prohibition cases. So therefore, all the more so if you, you do, do the while, while you're at it, Gilgul, Shivu'ah in prohibition, all the more so in a monetary case where it's easier to impose a Shivu'ah. All right, so far so good. Now we say Ashkechan bevadai safek minelan. We see that you can do Gilgul in a definite case. A sota uh, is actually a combination of kind of, uh, of a of a definite and an indefinite. We're not sure if she actually sh- sinned, but we are sure that she secluded herself. So she definitely did something wrong, right? Um, uh, she'd had that yichud, and that's after the husband said, "Don't do it." So, eh, so uh, I understand that you can do gilgul when you, for, when for sure she is somewhat guilty at some level, at least. Fine, that makes sense. You, you, you're somewhat guilty now. While you're at it, you're gonna have to make another vow. But in the sefek with the with the monetary case, we actually uh, don't, don't know if there's only one witness. Or he admitted to part, but we don't know. We don't have any proof for the other part, and yet we're going to do Gilgul in that case, right? So this is no. There should be no proof um, from a vaday, which is a sota, to a sefek, which is the modem um, mixat. So we answer Tanya to be Shimon ben Yochai Omer Nemla Shivua Bachutz Nemla Shivua Bifnim Ma Shivua Mura Bifnim Asaba Safek Kevadai Af Shivua Mura Bachutz Asaba Safek Kevadai. So we have a Brayta to be Shimon ben Yochai says we have the imposing of a of a vow um, outside. That's um, for a monetary case. And also uh, for inside, meaning inside the temple courtyard. The Sota is a special case that the ceremony is done right on the steps inside uh, inside the Bet HaMikdash. So let's compare them. If a Shivu'ah that's done within the Bet HaMikdash, we apply Safek and we equate Safek and Vadai. How do we do that? Because we say, listen, if you have to, once we make you take a swear for the Vadai, because we know for sure you secluded after marriage, so then we're going to roll in the uh, another vow for before marriage, and before marriage, there was no witnesses. There was no, no definite seclusion. So we roll in a safek with a badai, and we do that with, with a vow that's in the Bet HaMikdash. So too, af so it makes sense that the other shivuah for a monetary case that's done in a betim, um, outside of the temple, we should also equate safek and vadai, and so we, sh- we should not make any distinction between them, and that answers this question. So we have the paradigm of sota, and that's a case where you need two witnesses to impose a, uh, to impose a vow. And there, yes, you can do Gilgul. And once you have to make a vow because you uh, secluded yourself when you were married, so now you have to also vow uh, from before marriage. That's the paradigm. And we apply that also to Modebe Mixat. If you have to make a vow uh, regarding money, then we enroll, roll in a vow regarding the land as well. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen v'amen.